0: Hey guys, I'm Nick. And I'm Eugene. Welcome to Paper Cut. This week... Ah, oh, Eugene, I'm so excited for this week. This week, we have an exciting book for you. It's probably my favourite book of all time. It's called Flowers for Algernon by Daniel Keyes. I thought you had a lot of favourite books of all time before this. I, I do, actually. But this one, I think, towers above them all. So, let me, let me give you the rundown. The story is about this man named Charlie. Now, Charlie at the beginning of the book has an IQ of 68, which in many cases, including mine, is, is not really high. You know, I have a similar IQ, so. Can um, relate, can relate. Can relate. And he decides to go th- undergo this experimental surgery to basically make himself more intelligent. Now, the first subject of this surgery is a little mouse called Algernon. Sorry, I should say the first successful subject. Basically, everything that happens to Algernon happens more or less to Charlie as well. The book is written as lab journals. And so what that means is he starts off the book. You see it written from his perspective. And you can see like he's using really simple sentences in the beginning, nothing complex. And it, he slowly builds it up as he get, undergoes the surgery. And when he undergoes the surgery, one of the biggest surprises to Charlie is, oh, my God, I'm not smart. Why do I still write like an idiot? And he realizes that just because you're more intelligent doesn't necessarily mean you're more smart. And so he becomes more smart and his writing gets more and more complex, complex, complex. And they want to parade him afterwards as a, an experimental success around. And, well, things go kind of haywire from there. But that's the gist of the book. For those of you I know who might not have that much time, there was also apparently a movie about this called Charlie, and apparently it's an Oscar-winning movie though I've never watched it. I think the no, book. Not from... to be confused with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, don't confuse it with that, please. <laughs> don't confuse it with that. Which is
1: probably also about a boy of IQ sixty-eight who, you know, believes there's natural, like massive chocolate factory with magic in it.
0: It's called uh, The Asylum. Yeah, it's probably The Asylum. (laughs) So I remember the first time I ever read this, I thought, wow, this was written really creatively. And it was recommended to me by a few people. And actually, there were parts where I, I teared up because there were certain revelations that came along where I just felt, ooh, wow, I feel that. And, you know, it's one of those things where you see both sides of it. He starts off as an idiot and then he kind of gets smarter as well yeah and um you know i think we can all relate to that there were times where we are we were the dumbest in the room and there were times where we were the smartest in the room in both cases there is this feeling of loneliness of solitude that comes from just being the smartest or the dumbest in the room and i think that's one of the, the themes i actually want to delve into right now that sort of um loneliness in intelligence or the lack thereof so I think I mentioned just now like he undergoes the surgery one of the main reasons he d- wanted to go through this surgery was because he wanted to communicate more and more of his friends you know he wanted to have smart conversations with them and so he does it undergoes the surgery and he has this proper Adam and Eve moment where he realizes that initially like people will never laugh uh, with him they were laughing at him and so he was a bit like oh shoot I now that I realized this I realized these people aren't my friends I cannot hang out with these people anymore and he get he meets new people ming- mingles around meets new friends and then towards the end of it at the height of his intelligence he becomes more detached from everyone because he's just too smart for normal people Normie's like me. Yeah, 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 And I'm not sure about you, Eugene, but normal Normie's like me. <laughs> and it's really sad because it goes full circle. You know, he starts off with no friends. He ends up with no friends. I don't want to give away the ending, but it does take a slightly better tone. But it's still, I think it demonstrates a point. Like, loneliness was one of those big themes in that book. And it was recurring as well. Like, in this book, his best friend was a mouse. Let's put it that way.
1: The same mouse that uh that we talked about, right? Algernon.
0: Algernon. Algernon. And a lot of weird name, but yeah, exactly. Very posh name, I would say. It is a posh name. But like, I think that's one of the main things that sort of resonates with me with this book. So like It's like when you talk to people and
1: then you try to like say something to pro like to make a point and then they just completely didn't get the point and they just say something else and you just like all right i just wrote that massive thing for you but okay
0: yeah it's like that right it's kind of like that i, I think you i think you're more or less on the same wavelength as i am like people tell you stuff you tell people stuff but they just don't absorb it they don't absorb it the same way you, we, uh, you and i do yeah and so in that sense it's it can get quite lonely um i know i use that word a lot but I read somewhere else, like, I wasn't from this book where loneliness is when people don't understand you or something. Like that. It's not even like, you can be in a room filled with people and still be lonely.
1: Oh, yeah, no, definitely. So, apart from loneliness, it's also, like, quite frustrating when they don't get your point and you you actually, you, you're literally, like,
0: spelling out for them, right? It's like, there's that as well, so... You have to spell it out. Or you have to explain it to them. You know what's the worst feeling? The worst feeling is when you say a joke and people, and then they don't get it. Maybe because of cultural differences, or maybe they're not smart enough, or maybe your joke's a bit too far fetched. That's only funny to you. Yeah. And then you start doubting yourself. And you're like, Am I the not funny one? <laughs> Am I not funny? <laughs> Am I the dumb one? <laughs> and then you have to explain it, and that's. Uh, we've all had to explain jokes, and it's yeah. just so. But here's the thing,
1: right? Listening to the plot of the story, I've always thought this to myself. Like, what is smartness, you know? Like, if I was the most intelligent guy in the room, but I don't switch myself, or I don't sort of, like, put myself in the same wavelength as the rest of people in the room, such that I feel bad about myself, am I really that smart?
0: It's interesting that you mentioned that, because... When I was younger, and, and and obviously not as wise, I used to believe that smartness meant knowing a lot of things and being able to spurt things out here, there, the pa, pa, pa. As I grew older, I realized, I think, being the smartest one in the room is sort of being the one who can adapt easiest to different situations. Yeah, right. That's right, uh,
1: yeah. that's why it's adapt and survive, not be smart and survive.
0: I mean, it helps, but yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's adapt and survive. Uh, and I think there is a, an amount of fluidity in that intelligence that you you need to survive. So I definitely do get it. But at the same time, you know, like, I guess when we talk about this sort of smartness and intelligence, it's also the depth of what you say. So, like, if I told you um, Jill went to the park or something like that, um, it might mean... Even something simple like that might mean something different to different people. For example, if I said it, Jill went to a par- went to the park and if the person knew Jill and probably wasn't really bright, he might think, okay, casual, whatever. But if I said it to someone like who was a bit smarter, who knew was more aware, they'd be like, okay, Jill went to the park because X, Y, Z happened to her and therefore she must do X, Y, Z to do mm-hmm. that. I guess it's sort of making those connections and... When you're in a room of, full of people, I don't think everyone captures the same amount of depth in what you say, is my point. No, that is true. And that loneliness comes from that sort of gap. Do people really understand what you're saying? Do people truly, fully, 100% understand what you're saying? Or are they just catching the surface of it and not really all of it? But, you know, like, like I said, this is a matter of experience and just catching up with the things. A matter themes. of knowing
1: what to listen to, right? A matter of knowing what to Actually, to. it's um, actually bad if you're both ways. If you're really dumb, you don't know what the other people are saying. But if you're really, like, smart, then I guess, like, you would take... You would just listen to everything and you won't know what which parts of their sentences to address.
0: Yeah, you overthink certain right? parts yeah. as well.
1: And then so, like, you end up saying not saying anything because you go, oh, shit, should this be the thing that I should be talking about or should the other mm-hmm. thing be what I should be addressing, you know? and this and you, you just start doubting yourself more and more
0: always um hard thing to talk about and i guess this is why like thank god there's 7 billion people in the world because yeah, it's if, always someone
1: talking if there's not me there's no awkward silence you know right there's someone else who would um, break it for me right
0: and more importantly it's more like there's always someone even if these this group of people doesn't don't get it if this person doesn't get it chances are with 7 billion people you will find someone who gets it oh yeah so that too well that too that too <laughs> luckily there is a, there is reprieve for all of us <laughs> another interesting thing that happens in this book besides like loneliness is it, we talked about it briefly intelligence and um, emotional intelligence and it's a debate that's been going on for ages uh, I don't want to go into too much detail about uh, IQ, EQ, but essentially IQ says that it's your ability to pick up new information and to apply it immediately. So someone like Einstein would have had high IQ. Uh, then there's EQ, where it's like emotional intelligence. And basically someone with high EQ knows... Well, I actually don't know what high EQ represents, but if someone with low EQ would so probably I, laugh during I the feel funeral... Like- or something high like,
1: that. like high EQ is like charismatic people, right?
0: They they know how the other person's feeling. Right? Like so,
1: when you say what high or low EQ represent, I feel like it's like charisma and uh, sort of understanding to other people's emotions, that kind of stuff.
0: I think it's more the second. Like I think you could be, you might not be charismatic, but you could be very good at getting the other person. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's why i think with high iq it's easy to give you examples of that but with high eq i can't really give you a good example i'm better off giving you a really bad example like Hmm, really low eq like someone who who clearly looks like he's about to cry and you still drill them with you know really (laughs) shitty topics
1: Uh, so it sucks that it's happening to you but anyway let's talk about this
0: (laughs) yes so i know your mother died but let's talk about my dead cat you know that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, I got a new cat the other
0: way. <laughs>
1: Jeez, man. Oh man.
0: I I put myself on the low EQ category, so I'm not yeah. I'm not that great. Better Better safe than
1: sorry, right? Me too, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and in this book it's addressed as well throughout the entire story. So when he was really really um, dumb, he had low IQ, low EQ. And as he got smarter, his IQ went up the went off the charts and his EQ was was behind. He he had no empathy whatsoever. And so he slowly starts getting empathy. So people start. He understands that people are laughing at him, not with him, and he slowly realizes, okay, certain behaviors attract certain attentions and reactions. Uh, a good example would be like, okay, I can do this, but if I did, if I, I can like, I can make a cake. I can make people laugh. It'd be great, but if I, if I continue my old ways, like people don't really like that. A good example in this book is he's talking to. Uh, professors from all over the world and he just doesn't get that not everybody in the world can speak like 10 languages fluently can understand journals in five different languages he doesn't understand that people can't do that and so when someone tells him you've got to be aware of these things you're, hurt, you're hurting their feelings you're hurting their egos he goes like oh but why have an ego it doesn't really help anyone that sort of logical mindset the way i looked at this was he was emotionally a child, intelligent, uh, intelligence-wise at its peak. You do see this sort of childish-ish behaviour coming out every now and then, which is... Well, that's the thing, right?
1: The emotional intelligence stuff, it only comes with experience. It doesn't come with...
0: It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't
1: ha- get handed to you on a silver spoon, you know? Everyone, everyone has at some point said something that upsets other people, and only after they've fucked up do they know okay next time i'm not going to say that
0: exactly you learn things through experience and obviously he didn't have it i mean uh, here's a, like this is a parallel i always kind of think about when i read these sort of sections like you know those child geniuses that enter university at 13 mm-hmm. what happens with them you know
1: you never hear anything about them after they after they enroll you know it's just like it's just like okay now they don't deserve any more media attention right, right.
0: I do wonder, like, what what is their experience like? Do they even care that they they're not having that sort of the uni experience that they wanted? I, I wonder, like, are they just there to study books and whatever? And what happens afterwards? Do they actually go into the faculty? What happened? I'm actually really the curious. The thing is, like, I don't
1: I don't know about what happens afterwards, but I imagine their life would be normal, as if they were just going to like a normal secondary school, because they would most definitely be still. Be still living with her parents, right? Mm. So it would just be that. So I don't feel like there's going to be much of a change on that front. However, like campus life, you know, if they're smart enough, then yes, they can get it. If not, then, well, good luck, right? I
0: actually read an article the other day about this, uh, this woman with a, a genius child. And people used to go up to her and say, Oh, you must be so proud of your son. You must be so happy having such a gifted child. And... She would say, fuck no, it's a curse. Like, she just wants her child to have, like, a solid upbringing, a a normal upbringing-ish so that he can experience, like, everything that's good in life and everything. And so that she can give her love to him and sort of reciprocate that. Mm. But then what it turns out is that he has problems sort of coping with his grade of people, his peers. He, can, he can't even really cope with people, like, older than him as well because there are certain cues he doesn't really understand. People treat him a bit like, you know, it's just a kid. It's so like his
1: peers treat him like a freak. Like, the people who are older than him treat him like a kid. So he doesn't really have any, like, any group to fit into, you know? It is harsh on I feel the like there should be, like, a child prodigy university just for, like, child prodigies. Mensa. Mensa. Is that what it's for?
0: No, I think whoa, Mensa whoa. is meant for like To collect geniuses and then It's like
1: Charles child Saviour's uh, School for talented youngsters
0: It's called Hogwarts Ah, yes, yes Switch and flick the shit out of that In, in uni, we had, we had people Who were, you know, of that ca- Of that age, where they were, they were still really young Went into university and I guess Well, we didn't have any 9 year old first years That's for sure we had old ones, but we were never. We had, we old. had,
1: em, we had emotionally nine-year-old first years, yes, but we did not have actual nine-year-old first years.
0: Actually, I identify more as a six-year-old. Thank you very much. No six nine, just a flip of the switch, you know. <laughs> it's interesting though seeing these child prodigies, and like, have you seen um what's the new show that just came out, uh, Queen's Gambit? you no, I haven't seen it. I
1: have meant to watch it.
0: Ah okay, because. When I watched it, it just reminded me of all the um, chess grandmasters in the world. Because if you're a grandmaster at a young age, you're a genius.
1: Didn't Magnus Carlsen beat like um, that Russian guy when Kasper, he was eight? What? Yeah, when he was eight or something, or when he was thirteen.
0: I actually don't know about that one, but I know. Do you know when Carlsen became the youngest grandmaster? At what age he became the youngest grandmaster in the world? It was like
1: thirteen, right? Or, thirteen.
0: Yeah. Bloody hell! Right, that. Imagine becoming Grandmaster at 13, like... Oh. Mad. That's mad. And you know what annoys me as well? He's a part-time model.
1: Jeans, man. Dude, you're gonna have people like him <laughs> to justify people like us. They're really smart <laughs>
0: so that you can have like people like They're us. They're eh? really
1: smart and physically attractive. You gotta side of scale. Us. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's okay. At least I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also do think that, you know, we always bring up extreme examples because the child genius actually might have all right social skills. I think nowadays, like, the stereotype of the awkward genius has been more uh, debunked more and more. Like, these people like that still exist. I mean,
1: people but... are more and more aware of it because, it, it you know, ironically, it gets explored more, like, through Big Bang Theory, mm. um, like, uh, I don't know, the IT crowd. Mm the hmm. you know, all those all those different kind of like shows that sort of explore the geeky uh, person who does uh, who does a science subject or whatever right mm. and people actually are aware of that and they go oh shit am i like this so they they they, they strive to change themselves
0: oh that's an interesting take it's like mind. i
1: know i kind of did that when i looked at it i was like, i don't want to be like sheldon so like i actively worked on my uh social skills so now instead of like being really socially intoler- retarded i'm only like
0: so she retarded oh join the club <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned that because i i didn't i didn't really think of it that way it was it's interesting though that you have that sort of show and you can see these sort of extremes play out and then you decide actually i don't want to be that i want to be slightly better than that you know i want to be normal more slightly normal and yeah. be able to socialize and cope with reality because i guess for me it was always be it's always been like there are smart, really, really intelligent Mensa people who are like socially awkward. But then you also have the group of people who are Mensa, but also quite socially good. Cause, and yeah, because I feel like
1: I feel like this mentality is, uh, I guess, rooted on a fact. Well, it's rooted on the presumption that you're born with this intelligence and somehow you can't change it. It's right. like whether like if you're autistic, you're autistic for life and you can't you can't change it. yourself for the better, which is not true. Right. Because otherwise they won't be therapists or yeah.
0: doctors. Right? Yeah. It's true, though.
1: No, it, it's a very good point. So, yeah, thank God for those shows and thank God for those books. <laughs> Makes me self-aware. As as my good friend Sup would say, at least I'm self-aware.
0: I guess underlying all this, you know, is that sense of struggle. So in this book, you know, you, he got what he wanted. He got He became very smart. And then he realized there's more shit to deal with. And that's kind of how I feel when... I get what I want as well sometimes in, in the form of like, whether it's a job, whether it's a new responsibility, I'm thinking, yes, I got it. And an interesting one that came up in this book was when he became smart, like he started dreaming about mem- repressed memories from his childhood. And so there were memories where his mother would, used, to shout, uh, used to shout at him like, oh, be smarter, you're a smart kid, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And obviously, he just wasn't. He could not cope. He could not pick up the new concepts very quickly. And these sort of memories start coming up to him as well. And that was one of those unintended side effects to this entire therapy. Kind of curious to know, like the more self-aware you are, the smarter you are. Do you? Is it more likely for you to just to look back at your past self and go, "Oh, I think what it, kind of person
1: am I?" It comes in bursts, doesn't it? Because like when you. When you sort of have this revelation You will have this certain category Of um, I guess stuff that you uh, Of topic that you're learning from mm. So like you would think back To your to your youth And you would dick out that specific category Of actions that, that You did wrongly and, and that when you look back you cringe
0: at And then you know like I will not yeah, do that yeah, again It's, it's yeah. that kind of I
1: feel like this is the kind of uh, Mentality that you're describing here yeah
0: it is it is
1: but like not not necessarily in form of dreams actually like i rarely dream
0: now i mean it could i don't know but i don't want to go too far into dreams like but i guess it's a it's more of a writing device you know a plot device like oh i came to me in a dream like yeah sure not when you were high off coke or something (laughs) like that hey i mean Um, wouldn't
1: have the benzene ring without it so
0: triggered it's always interesting to see as well like looking at my past facebook posts or the old oh, social media dude! Posts. Why
1: you mention that,
0: man? <laughs> Wait. Okay. Here's a, here's a question for you. Okay, knowing everything you know now, would you delete your old Facebook posts? Yes. Really? Um. Some of them. Okay. No. Okay. Today, right now, like you can't you can't change the past, but yeah. yeah, yeah. On your Facebook page right now, it, okay. Would you Would you delete this shit? Because personally, I'm just too lazy. That's my yeah, no, that,
1: that, that's my point as well. I was like, if they were in front of me, yes, I would delete it. But I need to scroll so much down that I'm like, there's not worth it.
0: Oh, has that never happened to you when you were in a, with a group of friends and you guys are a bit bored? and you guys Yeah, but that's like- the
1: fun, though. <laughs> they, they they look at it and they go,
0: oh, yeah, no, you look at you, you're retarded. I'm like, yeah, I'm
1: retarded. Like, now, now, let's, now let's look at yours. <laughs> and we all jab at each other and that's the
0: fun. People do that though I don't know about Facebook But Instagram Like People do remove Their old shit People I mean some of it They have an image uh, to keep I guess
1: Instagram there. Is a bit different Because Instagram is is I guess it's The Facebook now Right Yeah yeah So like They want to It's like Their updated profile Who they are now Whereas, like, Facebook's, like, who they were before. It doesn't really matter that much. Because you can just go, oh, yeah, no, that's when I was still using Facebook. Mm. You can't say that's when I was
0: still using Instagram. Oh, it's like that's that. True. that's true. Okay, no, it's fair enough. But at the same time, like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I personally find it just too much of a hassle.
1: It is too much of a hassle. That's why people need to least stuff two days beforehand and not further,
0: mm. I think. Fair enough.
1: Unless you manage your account full-time, you're a model, and... That's no, a different story.
0: I can't do that. No, yeah. I'm not a model. Sorry. do I mean, I don't even manage the paper cut account that much. <laughs> the cases I get fully are people who have broken up their boyfriends or girlfriends, because I can imagine that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It sort of stifles you from finding someone new, or it you just don't want to be reminded of that period. Because menus... it must be the most painful
1: thing to go through all of the photos and delete them after you've broken up. Like that has to be like the worst thing ever. I cannot imagine. That.
0: Oh, I-, I can imagine a lot worse, but I haven't felt I I haven't felt that or anything worse. So I'm very blessed in that sense. Yeah,
1: I'm so blessed at not having a girlfriend my entire life.
0: <laughs> it's okay, bro. It's okay. Loneliness, right? Remember what we said about loneliness. It's good. It's healthy. That wasn't what we said. <laughs> I, I I know we're running short on time, so personally, this is my favorite book of all time, Flowers for Algernon. And so I would recommend it to everyone and anyone uh, caveat this though over the age of 13 because I think there are some things you need to experience yourself before you actually fully comprehend the book. And there are some things that happen in the book that a 13 year old might not fully grasp. And the language as well like when it gets complex and complicated, it can get very complicated but otherwise the reread value of it is really good as well like, i've read it a few times now oh, and okay. every time i read it i feel something so you know, this
1: book kind of sounds like the idiot by dostoevsky because um the idiot is also about like it's also about a guy who well was an idiot as the book says and then like he underwent some treatment he became normal well it had a it had a darker tone to that that's the uh, the that's the only difference
0: Wait, 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 just just so that I can... What happens at the end?
1: Uh, Okay, so spoiler alert, but he just turns back into an idiot. You've basically described this entire book. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how long is this book? Because the idiot was like 600 pages.
0: Oh, this one, according to Wikipedia, was 300-something, but my copy was like 200-something. Hey,
1: I mean, maybe this is like a very good condensation of it. It could be. Uh, Was there a mouse in the idiot? No, there was no mouse, but there was... There was a lot of other characters. I wish it was just a mouse that... Easier to follow, you know? What with Russian names and all that? Oh, man, the Russian
0: names. Like, I think the overarching... The starting idea might be the same, but Mm. good artists copy, great artists steal, and I don't know, maybe this one was actually stolen. I need to look into it.
1: Maybe this one was stolen off a... Off a vault recording, you know, from Fallout. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know how... You know how Fallout uh, stories are told through... uh, uh, lab records. Oh yeah. Because like when you said like you can see how this guy, um, his, his game brain, game. his brain like uh, gets more and more intelligent as he writes stuff. Yeah. You remember that vault, that where they start putting like gas
0: in. And um, people start writing, yeah. so they're more crazy. Yeah. And crazy. Yeah. I remember that. Um, I just
1: thought of that as soon as you said that.
0: I mean, it's a brilliant strategy to yeah, write. Yeah. It, it right? is. All right, guys that's all we have for today thank you for listening in if you like what we do follow us on spotify just type in Papercut podcast in your search bar or in any of your other preferred streaming sites if you want to leave us a comment or let us know what you think you can email us at
1: papercut.cast at gmail.com
0: or instagram at
1: papercut.cast no caps
0: Or Twitter.
1: At Papercut Podcast. One word, no caps.
0: Look forward to seeing you guys next week for another episode. Until then, I'm Nick. And I'm Eugene. Peace. Out.